Call of Cthulhu. Easy on the wallet, but is it worth your time? We fight the madness. Or is it just undiagnosed PTSD mixed with sleeping pills and alcohol? In order to find out, here on Broke and Gaming. Welcome, absolutely everyone, to Broke and Gaming. I'm a person that bees mistake for a flower, Shay. And I'm your other host, Dan. And, uh, hey Shay, what have you been playing recently? Well, Dan, I've been playing uh, Skyrim. Because <laughs> I just just can't escape. Well, it must be nice playing a first-person game that works totally like it's intended to most of the time. <laughs> Can I tell you something, Dan? I do not play Skyrim in first person. I play it in third person. What? Oh, okay. Yeah. it's. I don't know what it is about melee in that game from first person, but like the hands don't look right to me, so I always play in third person. Okay. I didn't know this about you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm maybe the most unconventional Skyrim player there is. So I had initially reported that I was doing a magic-only run. Yeah. That's right. For the most part, that's true still, but I certainly found a way to circumvent that because in Skyrim, they have something called Summoned Blades. Yes. Or uh, Bound Blade, I think is the one that I have right now, uh, where you summon a sword. And so essentially you're using uh, one-handed melee. Yeah. Uh, but it gives you conjure. My conjuration is the highest that it's ever been in a playthrough of Skyrim. So... Well, good um, job but uh yeah otherwise i <laughs> i haven't i haven't played i played a little bit of saints row 4 and a little bit of uh hades on the switch but otherwise i haven't really played anything other than skyrim which i was playing to avoid <laughs> avoid playing this episode's game yeah so, um, uh how about you dan well i was definitely in a similar boat but yeah i played one new game for me and one old, old, old game. Was it Tekken 7? It was Tekken 7. Uh, so the game night that I host under the the Broken Gaming banner at the Mixed Night Club in Allentown on Tuesdays, we recently got Tekken 7 for that. And uh-huh. I forgot how much I love that fucking franchise. Like, it's my favorite of those fighter games, like of that type sure. of game. I yeah. just love how smooth they are. It's always the one I felt like I was best at, even when I was very young and I was just like button spamming for Eddie Gordo. I'm like, this is just <laughs> the best. Eddie Gordo, huh? Oh, yeah. I was a I was an Eddie Gordo and Huarang guy. Well, first of all, their fighting styles are just more fun because uh, mm-hmm. like Jin and Kazuya and Hihachi all kind of play similarly. Uh, King is really frustrating unless you learn all of the grapple things for him and i'm not gonna do that fuck fucking okay (laughs) yeah i i have a fucking beef with the uh like fighter industry okay (laughs) why why would you ever 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 introduce grappling to like a fucking arcade fighter and then like make that like like in boxing, grappling is is an element of f- the fight. Sure, but it's to avoid actually fighting. So, like, why would you make a mechanic? I just ugh, because man, King. I don't, I don't even know why I'm fucking like you know you know what I mean. Like, I, I'm, about <laughs> I'm so pissed off about it that I don't know how to put it into words. Yeah, you know. I mean, so so King is a professional wrestler like so his whole move set is like the lucha libre type of like head scissors and suplexes and and whatever but like in terms of the first set like king was the guy who was a professional wrestler i ended up downloading for just my my home life the ultimate edition because it's only 30 dollars right now during the spring sale which should still be active by the time this episode drops so it has all the characters it will have ended the day before this episode. Oh, sorry about your yeah. damn luck. <laughs> and I forgot until we downloaded it for, for game night, the other characters they added to it. So they have three non-franchise characters in this one. There's Geese, 
from the King of Fighters series. Yeah. Noctis, the protagonist what? from... Kellen Quinn, you mean? Yeah, yeah, Kellen Quinn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I forgot. From uh, from Final Fantasy fifteen, And fucking Negan from The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead? Yeah. <laughs> it's, okay, fuck off. It's so weird. I mean, that that's for the DLC. There's also Akuma, who's just, like, now in canon. Akuma from Street Fighter plays a, a pretty big role in the story mode. And he just looks like fucking Akuma. Like, he doesn't look like a Tekken character, but he now lives in this world. That's fun. Yeah, it's great. The lore for this series is so batshit, and I love it. Can we... Okay, this is another beef that I have with fighters. Can we stop pretending that there's lore to these games? Okay. It, there's like there's like shoestring plot to get like Mortal Kombat, I think, has maybe the strongest story of these like fighter type games, and that's not saying much. So when we're setting up for game night, I I usually test the equipment by playing through story mode stuff, and then until we have some people to play, like I'll just keep going. And I've done that with uh three different fighters. Tekken, Mortal Kombat Eleven, which you're right, is surprisingly coherent. They've done such a good job making that world make enough sense to get by. <laughs> it's it's amazing. Other than Ronda Rousey voicing Sonya Blade, like, it's well-acted, even. Like, they have, okay like, good voice actors, like Phil Lamar and Steve Bloom and stuff like that, like, doing the voices. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. Like, they've got their shit together. You There's... know what that is? What's that? You know what that is? That's that DC money. It absolutely is. It's that Warner yeah. Brothers DC money. But then the flip side of that, oddly, is Marvel versus Capcom 3 Ultimate, which has the worst plot, the worst acting. It's so tremendously horrible. I was playing it at game night on the big screens and like some people that come by that aren't gamers themselves necessarily. They just like hanging out. Uh, they're more magic, the gathering folk. So they do that. Sure. Like, we're just shitting over, like, shitting all over the plot of this thing the whole time. It was like Mystery Science Theater video game edition. It was the best. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even describe how terrible this was. But, like, having Mega Man standing next to Thor and them having a conversation is, is bizarre on its own. Then throw this terrible plot of, like, we got to break Thanos out because he might know what to do about the Infinity Stones. Okay, I'm already over this. Real bad. It's super bad. <laughs> that sucks so bad. Yeah. Okay, so the other game I've been playing. On my birthday this year, I was informed that one of my favorite RPGs from when I was a kid was being re-released. And so Chrono Cross oh, dropped. Oh, boy. Well. I've heard some bad things about that, Dan. What have you heard? I've heard... I've heard that it the re-release is like runs slower than the original release does and that it's just an all-around terrible terrible remake. So I haven't felt that strongly about it and it may differ from console to console because I know they released it for like a couple different ones. I know it's out on the Switch, I have it for PlayStation. Plus when they do these square like remakes, you have a button that'll let you go like double time. So mm -hmm. anything with like laggy like walking stuff you could just hit that and go twice as fast as you would have so i know it's I, like it's like load times i think oh no i haven't had issue. an issue with load times oh really yeah okay. no so what's what's neat about this game is there are 45 playable characters in total and and there's a new game plus for this so you can only recruit certain characters like other characters won't join you based on who's already in your party or your group oh that's okay it's, well yeah so in order to have all 45 at your disposal at the end of the game, you'd have to do New Game Plus twice and make all the right decisions Ooh. to have everybody. But it also doesn't really matter. Yeah, sure. There's not a ton of stuff added, like, depending on who you have. And there's some that are compulsory, like, you'll recruit them every single time. It's just a cool concept. Like, the director of that, when he was asked if he was going to be doing another chrono game and this was like 10 years ago at this point he was like no just play chrono cross not enough people play chrono cross and i was like yeah you're right they should so if this does well i would love to see another chrono game it's packaged with a, a text-based adventure that's kind of set Ooh. in the world which isn't 
great called Radical Dreamers. And it it's literally just still images and then you make decisions and it's it's it is what it is. Yeah. But I, yeah. I'm still enjoying it. It's it's a fun game. It it's still an insane story because it deals with alternate dimensions and stuff like that. And kind of like Nexus beings where like they're they're a static idea regardless of the, the reality. Uh-huh. It's just neat. I, I really like it. I'll be I'll be chipping away at that in between the games we play for this. But on that note, we should get into our game today. Speaking of chipping away. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to start, as we always start, with our short change history. This week's game, Call of Cthulhu, is a 2018 survival horror light RPG by French game developers Cyanide Studios and Focus Home Interactive. Cyanide was founded in 2000, by several former employees of Ubisoft who, quoting from the studio's website, left to follow their dreams of making a sports management simulation set in the world of professional cycling. In addition to the annually updated Pro Cycling Manager series, Cyanide is also responsible for the Chaos League and Blood Bowl franchise, the Of Orcs and Men series, and 2012's Game of Thrones action RPG, nearly all of which were in conjunction with Focus Home Interactive. Call of Cthulhu is an indirect adaptation of the tabletop RPG of the same name, originally released in 1981 by Chaosium Incorporated. Call of Cthulhu is currently available for Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Windows. So, Shay. Yeah. I know I'm asking a lot here, given... <laughs> what this story is but can you tell us a little bit about what this game actually is i can give you some insight into the conceit of the game i guess yeah <laughs> that's that's probably for the best in call of cthulhu you play as edward pierce a veteran of the first world war who has now become a private detective a position that was inexplicably given police level access during the 1920s in the united states as his i guess contract with whatever parent company is supporting his private detective responsibilities is coming to a close because he hasn't taken a, a case on in a while Edward Pierce uh, accepts the the investigation of the Hawkins Manor fire that claimed the lives of Sarah Hawkins and her husband Charles, as well as their son. During the course of the investigation, Edward goes to the island of Darkwater off of the coast of Massachusetts, a former whaling island that has inexplicably dried up as uh, cultism has risen on the island, but nobody seems to be connecting those two things. You then go through the most bizarre storyline of an investigation that <laughs> maybe exists uh, as you try to find the truth behind the death of Sarah and Charles Hawkins. Yeah, I think that that's a good elevator pitch for this whole thing. Okay, Shay, how far... Did you make it in this? Because I did not for a, a multitude of reasons, which I'm sure we'll get into. But sure. how how far into the investigation did you get? I think actually you and I made it about the same. I think I I think I played the game a little bit more than you, but we ended in the same area. OK, I was I was about two thirds of the way through the uh, asylum escape. Yeah. When I stopped playing, which I think is, I think you ended maybe a little bit earlier in that same encounter, I guess we'll call it. But from what I've, from what I understand, that's about uh, a little bit more than halfway through. Oh, is that true? Yeah. From what I can, now, now that's just from the uh, Wikipedia summary of the plot. I'm sure gameplay wise, we're about a third of the way through, but story-wise, I think it's about halfway. I did specifically look up how long it took people to go through this. Sure. And it varies between eight hours and ten hours for completionists. Okay. So it's not terribly long. So I do feel like I was maybe halfway through based on that. But also, I feel like I wandered around more than I needed to. There's a whole bunch of shit in this that is unnecessary detail that doesn't actually 
seem to help at all. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I want to talk about that in conjunction with the RPG system that they have. Yes, please. In place. Because so at the beginning of the game, you have to kind of like choose the skills that you want to be good at as far as investigating and and whatnot. And the amount of times that that shit comes up is almost zero. So like you end up like essentially what the skills are for is for finding extra shit. Yeah. And if that's the case, like don't fucking imply like two two of the skills, for example, can only be upgraded by finding items in the world. And then the rest of them are, are awarded by character points or whatever whatever they're called in this game. But like the implication is that you're gonna be using these skills and they're gonna influence how you can progress through the story. And really all they do is open up additional dialogue options. Yes. For things that you're going to find out anyway. You know what I mean? There's one other thing that it affects, and it it's kind of the hallmark of Lovecraftian-based things, which is your sanity meter. Okay. I would like to talk about that because in my playthrough, I didn't, like, it didn't come up. Like, by the time I got to the asylum, like, none of it had changed at all. Yeah. So, like, I don't really, so there there is a mechanic in the game that is kind of, like, detailing your your sanity level. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, it didn't change at all. So I, I'm, I'm just, I don't know if you can maybe shed some light on what kind of things affect that or, or not. Your ability to perceive the occult, I think, affects it. Okay. Like your, your understanding of occult items, because that's like one of the stats that you can put attributes in. But the only way to increase that is by finding actual occult items, like mm-hmm. runes and fucking books and shit. Yeah. But I think. It's one or the other, and it's super ill-defined. Either your ability to perceive the occult increases or decreases your sanity added or subtracted. Gotcha, gotcha. I think that's the only one, because the medical doesn't really matter. Well, but that's the thing, is that, like, and, and this really actually pissed me off about this game, is that, like, from the beginning, they're like, your occult skill and your medicine skill can only be affected by items in the environment and that made it very clear very early on that these are the only two skills that will actually play a role in the story and the rest of these are just extra dialogue options you know what i mean yeah like strength it it comes up early on in the game and i guess if you've sank every single point that you could from the beginning into strength uh it will change the outcome of a conversation yeah there's not a ton of combat sections well there's i i mean as far as i can tell there's like two in the whole game and and it's not really combat it's just that you have an item that you can use outside of like a kind of point and click system essentially you know what i mean basically yeah yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. This game, it really frustrated me on, like, the the number of genres that it was slapping together. Yeah. Because, like, they really tried to, like, emphasize this RPG system, but it actually has no bearing on the game at all. And, and you know, this is not just from my experience. It's, like, I, I looked into, you know, like, what skills should I, you know, put my stuff into? It doesn't really play a an important i mean the sanity level does but like your skills don't actually play into that at all it doesn't seem to and yeah i from what i can tell it doesn't affect your ability to play the game it only really affects the endings oh okay does it affect the ending yeah because your sanity factors into which ending you have access to your ability Mm. to defeat the shambler is kind of affected but whether or not a character survives that encounter affects yeah. the ending. Yeah, that's true. But for the most part, none of it really matters. Or at least that's that's how it comes across. And like, you know, you know what actually I think really actually aggravates me about this game is that they put multiple endings into it. Like this almost feels better as a linear story. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, as a player, it doesn't necessarily feel better, but like. If you actually have no control over how the game ends, that that almost feels better in this kind of like deception than being like, hey, you can put skills, skill points where you want them. And uh, that might change things where that's that's not really the case. Yeah, it's I don't know. I think you're right in saying that they 
tried too many things and it's yeah. it's definitely like a master of none situation here like yep. they don't nail any singular aspect zero yeah what what year did this game come out 2018 okay so this was after la noir oh by a lot by yeah. a lot yeah. yeah so it the the feel that it gave me was like la noir combined with the evil within and it did none of those things as well as either of those games yeah and the ratings kind of reflect that as well yeah and then like a third of the way through they're like hey it's a stealth game and it's like okay <laughs> fine yeah it, it's a it's a hat on a hat on a hat at one point yeah because yeah. you have to break away to do these investigation portions which are pointless like you go so into tedious. an entire different almost mini game where you're visualizing a crime scene that i will say that that was actually cool in the game but like from an objective standpoint it did not fit into the game no when that's another thing is that like that's the thing that like the skill tree was supposed to affect and it really didn't because like the things the so you're right your your spot hidden skill as long as it was one you could find everything that you were supposed to for the story so yeah. like it didn't even really matter what you found in those crime scene investigations and even with the spot hiddens like it's still something that in order to progress it's a compulsory thing that you have to find right right no th that's what i'm saying is that it doesn't actually matter what your spot hidden skill is right you find what you need to find i guess it's just time. how quickly you find it or like how close you have to be to the item in order for yeah. it to to give you the prompt right which is for stupid. you to get that green dot yeah because every one of those things is so small anyway like all the crime scene areas like yeah it's, they're pretty isolated you're not searching an entire town you're searching a singular room or or what right. have you right and and in addition to that like you don't get the prompt to like exit that like crime scene view until you found everything. So you're like, until I get that, I must have missed something. So it, yeah. like, again, it doesn't matter how high your find hidden item skill is. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I want to, I want to quote specifically, cause I think this sums up what we're talking about pretty, pretty well. Um, yeah. GameSpot's David Wild Goose, his quote when reviewing this game was the difference between having leveled up your strength stat instead of your investigation stat felt ambiguous at best and trivial mm -hmm. at worst mm -hmm. i yeah dan i'm glad that you brought that quote up because i i read through that review and that was like a perfect summation of how i felt about the game yeah was that like you were kind of led to believe that it matters what skills you choose and it it really doesn't right but with the multiple endings this is another like lovecraftian type thing where there's just no positivity in a lovecraftian world yeah every outcome is bad it's just bad in different ways like i i am not a fan of lovecraftian novelizations or anything like set aside the fact that the dude was a horrible racist yeah i just don't like the world that he depicts like i have no issue with the idea of eldritch gods or whatever i think that's a that's a fun thing to play into and can be used really well like in bloodborne like you have that kind of element to it and I think it can be done in an interesting way. But like when it's strictly just like this is a Lovecraftian world straight up. Here's what this is. Yeah. It just plays on human despair in a way that most things don't. So skip ahead about a minute or so if you don't want to <laughs> be spoiled on these endings. But I'm going to list all four of the endings real quick. Maybe 90 seconds to be safe. So. Ending number one, if Pierce's sanity is intact, he can refuse to take part in the ritual. Sarah Hawkins, not able to fight Pierce's free will, kills herself. Later, Pierce is seen back at his office in Boston, drunk and depressed, traumatized by the events. <laughs> yeah. That's if your sanity is good. Yeah. Yeah. If Pierce's sanity is broken, he can choose to shoot himself, ruining the cult's chances of performing their ritual. Later, his office in Boston is seen being cleared out, but a painting of his suicide is seen in the room. Yep. If Drake survived his battle with the Shambler, Pierce can have him perform a counter ritual. The storm and the cult disappears. Later, Pierce is seen in a mental institution, insane and being treated with sleeping pills. Yeah, that's the best outcome. Yeah. 
And lastly, Pierce always has the option to give in and perform the ritual. His blood is spilled with a ritualistic dagger. The storm grows, summoning the great old one Cthulhu. The arrival of the entity causes those present to go mad, fighting and killing each other. Pierce surveys the violence before joining in, killing Sarah in his mad frenzy. The, that That's it. Like, there's no saving the day or coming out unscathed. It's all fucked. Yeah. Like, that's, for me, fucking unsatisfying. Yeah. I I mean, I don't want to defend Lovecraftian lore in any way, but I mean, we've we've covered games that have this kind of like hopelessness ingrained in it. You know what I mean? Like inside. So like, is maybe that the point? It absolutely is. And I think inside's a good example of something similar. I think because the story is so ambiguous in inside it, there's, there's, only the slight difference of like we're leaving it up to you to determine sure yeah whatever whereas with this it's like no life sucks (laughs) it sucks sucks all around no matter what and the child in inside potentially not having any free will of its own whatsoever kind of changes that as well like you're building a world that's fucked and your choices don't necessarily affect or, or like the illusion of choice doesn't affect how the game is going to play out whereas with this it gives you so much more of an illusion i guess well i was gonna say like i mean it's not more of a choice it's it's just a a grander illusion which i think in the protagonist's particular situation is probably more accurate like this guy has come home from world war one thinks that he's you know making a difference comes up against an eldritch god and for a while thinks that he can stop that summoning from happening. And that's so late in the game as well. Like, yeah, no, I mean, I I agree with you that there are pacing issues for sure, but I I don't, I don't know that this is different from inside. You know what I mean? Yeah, we may have to disagree on this. (laughs) Um, Like, I, I totally, I totally see what you're saying. Now, I don't want to be uh, misquoted here. I'm not defending this game at all because I think it fucking sucks. But I do think that we have precedent for this kind of story, this kind of like hopeless story on the show is all I'm saying. I think it's just so stark compared to our last game, which was all about hope. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah. This is probably the worst follow-up to The Last Campfire. Honestly, like, if we played Inside after The Last Campfire, I, I might agree more. I think it's it's despair for despair's sake as opposed to how I felt about Inside, which was, who knows? I mean... Right, yeah. No, no, no. This I, world I, is fucked, I but it's you. not necessarily... Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. We should probably get into our pros and cons here. I know I'm not going to have a ton of pros. <laughs> uh, I actually I actually do have a, 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 a couple of pros. I There were... There were elements of this game that I liked. It, one of them was not corners, because everybody, welcome to Shay's Corner Corner. God damn, if there's a plank of wood on the ground, you can't fucking step over it in this game. I was playing this with Kit in the room, <laughs> and I got to the point where I'm it's... almost sure you're talking about. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, we got a Shay's Corner Corner coming up. Uh, Yeah, when you're in the house and there's just like a bookshelf in the oh. way. Well, even before I'm like, that, Shay's gonna lose their fucking mind over this. <laughs> when you're talking to those guys that the the drunks by the wharf, who you can like convince to get those guards away from the warehouse, like just their particular area is so fucking difficult to navigate. And then they like they lead you to believe that there's like a way around the back, but no, it ends in crates, and you can't fucking get anywhere. Yeah, like in any other game, you'd be able to scale that pretty easily. I mean, just anything with a jumping mechanic, you'd have been able to scale it. But Right, right. That actually brings me to my first big con after the corners, I guess, is that there are like locked areas in the game. Yeah. But there's also no backtracking in the game. So fuck you the whole time. Pretty much. And I don't know if that's intended for 
multiple plays. I don't know why you would do that. I mean, other than I mean, that. it has to be, but it's not like good enough to to pay off multiple plays. You yeah. know what I mean? I hate semi open world games. I hate them because the world is not like that in real life or video games. To be honest with you. It's either linear or it's not. And that's how video games work. And I appreciate the storytelling value of both linear and open world games. And I do not appreciate the storytelling nature of semi-open world games. Where it's like, you are just going to waste 40 minutes of your time while you explore a needless area of the place that you have unlocked. And then when you do this one thing, it's going to unlock the next area where you can do the rest of what you need to do. I fucking yeah. hate that. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I entirely agree. And again, this would work fine in a different type of game. But because this game jumps around as far as what the genre is, yeah, it, it makes it more frustrating. Like if it was strictly an investigation game, mm-hmm. fine. That's, yeah. that's what you're supposed to do. I was insulted when I, because in my pre-game research for this, it does describe it as semi-open world, and this is not that. Like, it's singular settings that you just kind of stumble your way through until you get to a plot point that fucks everything up, and then, like you said, you're you're then on a different path. Right. The most frustrating being the mansion, like, when you're, when you're going through the, the manor, at least from what I played. I spent so much fucking time in the manor because at that point I had learned, like, if you don't literally click on everything you know what i mean yeah it's like a false lengthening mechanic i mean we've talked about this on the show before like the idea that you might miss something because of how fucking terrible they've laid out your story progression is it really ruins this game yeah there's ambiguous puzzles that Mm -hmm. they just kind of hint and then you you it's you and then you find the answer anyway yeah yeah I mean, for example, there was there was one stretch where there like my hidden object skill let me find a crowbar that I needed to open a door. But then I was exploring the mansion later on and there's a crowbar that's just laying out on the floor. So, like, if I hadn't found it earlier, I still would have found it, you know, and that's just it just fucking compounds that they've wasted all this time making you like find these things and then it doesn't matter anyway and then all of your skills don't matter because they're trying to tell a story which is fine but then don't introduce rpg mechanics where you can like influence the skills that you're good at because it doesn't fucking matter yep and that is probably the biggest con for me like outside of the failed storytelling elements because i think there there's a lot of flaws there as well like is there a fucking single likable character that you encountered uh no (laughs) yeah me neither i mean i didn't talk to that algernon duke guy very much he seems like the best chance at that yeah but and and i mean i guess that's that's in keeping with lovecraftian themes of human despair but like everybody sucks everybody's lying to you and I mean, the protagonist isn't great either. Like he's just flawed. I mean, there's not a whole lot wrong with him. Uh, I, I, I mean, it, it is I a guess huge. His big flaw he's, is that he's suffering from PTSD in the twenties, and they don't know how to treat yeah. it. Um, no matter how many medical books he comes across, he's not going to be able to self-diagnose. <laughs> I, I will say it's a big pet peeve of mine when you're playing this kind of, especially like anything with an investigation element the amount by mm-hmm. which they just state the obvious is yeah painful in this one yeah it's it's just like and and this this may change slightly and i i can't confirm this because there's no way to on at least a singular playthrough some of the things he says like i wonder what this mask is for like to himself to <laughs> no one <laughs> yeah when investigating something it's like well what's the point why why are you saying this out loud first of all because it's it it's stuff that should be i guess inner monologue it's nails on a chalkboard for me when every piece of dialogue when you're investigating something is like that yeah i don't know why it's it's this weird fucking thing i have well i think i think with this game specifically is that like it doesn't let you 
put the pieces together yourself. Yeah. It's not a genuine in- investigation. It's Edward Pierce is telling you what you should be doing next. Yes. And I think that that's what really irritates me about this game is that like you have an investigation skill that you're supposedly pouring points into, but it doesn't fucking matter because he's just going to tell you what you need to do after this. He's not deducing anything. Yeah. Anything he learns is done through cutscenes and plot points. Mm -hmm. You're not doing any of the work yourself. You're experiencing it. You're not coming to these conclusions. And that's fine, but then don't act like these skills matter. Yeah. You being a private investigator is entirely inconsequential to how yeah. this plays out. Yeah. Your, I mean, your character's abilities literally play no part in getting to the end of the story. You're going you to be, get there whether or not... Yeah. You could be any random person. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You could be the fucking boat captain that brings you to the island at the beginning of the game. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter. This game, I feel, I feel would have been more compelling if it was told from the perspective of Cat Baker. Like, actually. Yeah. Oh, uh, for sure. Like, something that happened on her island, she goes and investigates. She has access to the dock, so she would have found the painting. How did this get here from, from the manor? That already is a better story. Yeah. Than Pierce being sent to this random island yeah i don't know you want to throw some points at this fucking nonsense i mean if there are any points to be thrown let's do it (laughs) does it work i feel zero is too harsh i feel no point is too harsh but i agree i agree with you yeah it certainly doesn't get a full point like i i'm gonna give this a, a half point at best i mean some of the things that it's supposed to do work fine uh maneuvering mm-hmm. isn't the best again like severely limiting your ability to, to traverse any landscape is yeah. gonna affect this for both of us at this point if if corner corner gets fucking invoked at any point like <laughs> or it's automatically a we're hard point. pressed <laughs> so yeah i think we're just at a half point like nothing works terribly I would disagree with you there, Dan. I think that the RPG, like the skill system, I think that that works terribly. Because not only is it like arbitrary when you get the points to distribute among those skills, but it also doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, I mean, that's that's not something I, I generally consider. Like the actual uh, gameplay elements isn't usually what I do for this point. Usually I factor it into like, well, well, yeah, we'll we'll get there. Well, no, but I mean, what do you factor that into? Because to me, if a system is in place in a, like a, a, a kind of like game defining system, for example, the skill system in this game is shitty. Where would you factor that in? It, it in does factor into system? engagement for me a little bit. OK, I mean, OK, we're both at a half point for does it work, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So then if we move on to, is it engaging? <laughs> is it engaging? Yeah. Zero fucking points because of those kind of things. Yeah. It's not a fun world to interact with. And part of that interactment has to do with your skills. So for me, that's, that's how that breaks down. Sure. So for me, like looking just like from the beginning, being able to look at like these systems that are in place, that's, it's interesting you're like, oh, these are going to matter at some point down the line. But like to me, the opposite of a payoff, I guess. Yeah. For those systems is what really like fucks it for me. And, and like it, it is engaging from the outset in the sense that you're like, oh, how do these factor into the game? And then when you start like you start playing through it and you're like, it doesn't at all yeah uh that's what really loses the point for me okay so like i think i think we're at the same point levels it's just how we came to those conclusions which i'm I'm actually happy with yeah 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 yeah. cool 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 all right so zero points from you as well on engaging yeah okay does it look good this is tough because i I have a i have a very particular thing that bothered me about this game but i I would like to hear your opinion on this point before I go into that. I'm well, okay. Character designs are 
horrendous for for the type of art style they're trying to present. Yep. But I'm trying to decide if that's by design. Like if they're trying to build an ugly world. Do you know what I mean? Like if they're adding on to the despair by making it kind of heinous looking. Like Bradley alone is such a bad character model. <laughs> yeah. Like he's pockmarked and scarred and like his mouth doesn't really move right. Although nobody's mouth really moves right. I was going to say Bradley has a story reason for his mouth not moving right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but what I mean is it's unpleasant to look at. And I, oh, yeah. and I feel that's by design. So like it, it feels weird to dock something for an artistic choice like that. Where it's like, I don't like the look of these characters when it's, it's like. But is, but is that the choice for every character? You know what I mean? Or yeah. did they just get lazy? Like, for example, those drunks at the dock, like they look horrendous also. Yeah. Do you they're, think that they made a conscious choice to make those guys look terrible? Kind of, yes. Because they're supposed to be but, these. But in, this, but in the same way that Bradley is terrible. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, Like yeah. the, does, I mean, um, if it's an artistic choice to make everybody look like that is that a good artistic choice no and and this is never this was never going to get a full point out of me anyway yeah i'm teetering between half a point and no point here like i have no it's it's going to get a half point i like the environments for the most part there are two, there are a lot of reused assets but it's so many i'm not going to fault them for that just based on what the budget was probably for this mm-hmm. like throwing a million half-eaten dolphins and sharks and whatever just into the scenery that's fine exploring the town like there's it's not that everything's this cookie cutter kind of thing like there was some thought put into how the world was put together sure the biggest drawback is the character design for me like they Mm -hmm. they just don't they're not pleasant to look at and even if it is a design choice it it it's not my cup of tea that's that's where I'll stand on that. So I a half point. So I actually disagree with you in I don't think it's a design choice cuz all of the women look exactly the same. Yeah. I I don't think it's I don't think it's a design choice. I think it was a budget restriction, which is not necessarily the designer's fault, but they still put out this game where Bradley looks like every Joe Schmo that you meet on the dock and Cat Baker looks like every woman that's in the game. You know what? You know? you know what I just realized. Do you know what the characters look like to me? You know, in like bad horror films or bad suspense films, where there's like a painting that the eyes like there's a, like a peephole situation where the eyes follow you. Oh sure, yeah. That's what everything <laughs> looks like. That's what all the characters yeah. look like to me. I um. I would be willing to agree with you that it was an artistic choice if the eyes had been done a little bit better. Yeah, they're all just kind of bulging, unblinking, right? Nightmarish, yeah. Types of, like because even Edward in cutscenes, like something's off. Yeah, I will say though that 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 painting of him that like leads you to find the first your first interaction with the cult. That painting looked really fucking cool. I have no complaints uh, with any of the paintings. Yes. Yeah, the paintings were really fucking cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Seeing you you in the game is awful. Okay, and this is... I wanted to hear what you had to say about character design first, because teeth and tongues <laughs> in this game are horrible. Yeah. Like, your the mouth movement on these characters is an abomination. The the groundskeeper was the worst example of that for me. Yeah, uh, like tongues will just will just come through teeth, and it's clear that they programmed the tongue to move behind the teeth, but they didn't program the rest of the mouth to move around the tongue. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's that's gross. Yeah. So like, based on that alone, uh, I'm gonna give it no point. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, which harsh, is a, which but... is a shame because like I, I like I I do think that they tried really hard in the environments, but like they're not good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like just kind of base level good, and then you take the drawbacks of the characters all look the same, and <laughs> their teeth and tongues and mouth don't. That work fucking right. rules. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Uh, cool. Okay. Is there replayability? I know they intend for you to. Yeah. <laughs> but I can't imagine getting anything more out of this than just reading what the endings are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And being that there's no quote good ending, like I don't I don't feel there's an incentive to. So mm-hmm. I think I'm going no point. Yeah, no, I agree with you, Dan, and, and and here's my reasoning for it. Of the four endings, only one of them is influenced by an earlier choice. Right? So like if uh what's his name survives your fight with a shambler, that changes and and, and not just like slightly, but dramatically. But essentially, what happens is you get to the end of the game and then you have three options in front of you. So there's, it's not really a true choice in the sense that your actions in the game lead up to this and it affects the outcome. You get to the end of the game no matter what. And I mean, assuming your sanity is intact, but like I don't see how you have any kind of control over that. And it's mainly because I haven't experienced any kind of variation in the sanity mechanic. But it's it seems like you get to the end of the game and you just have to pick an option. I think it's like 1A, 1B, 2, and 3. I think right. that's, that's it's how like, it breaks it's down. It's like the, the Telltale Walking Dead game where you... It's like you have to decide when you tell everybody that you got bit by a zombie. Oh, yeah. But that doesn't change you know yeah spoilers for anybody who hasn't played telltale's fucking 15 year old walking dead game <laughs> yeah and the fact that you didn't is why they folded for a while <laughs> sorry it's okay. I, I sincerely apologize to telltale games no i love you welcome back i'm so happy uh is there a story yeah It's not the most coherent thing in the world, but that's, I don't think, the fault of... Okay, it's their fault because they went with something that was based on a Lovecraft short story. Yeah. Like, they went with something that is meandering and only barely makes sense within its own context. Well, I think the problem with Lovecraftian literature is that it doesn't fully flesh out its ideas. Uh, It only introduces a concept. Um and doesn't ever follow through on them. And I think that this game has the same problem. Yeah, of all the things you could say about H.P. Lovecraft, it wouldn't be false to say he was an ideas man. I was just about to say that, Dan. He was an ideas man and not a storyteller. (laughs) Yeah. I'll give it a default half because I think there was enough effort there to justify a half point. Yeah. It's not, again, the most coherent story, but it's not awful right that's that's not the story isn't the thing that's bringing it down no again if this was strictly an investigation game this would have been the great. story would be great yeah yeah um my big issue with it is that they imply that you have any kind of um influence over the story uh but that's not true it's uh it's like playing a very railroady game of D&D where like you think you're role playing but really you're just being led to a location. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's I mean that's my I don't I don't think that the story is bad and and to be honest with you I really would like to like this game. It's just executed so poorly. Yeah. But that does bring us to our final question Dan, is it worth the cost? So this retails everywhere at $19.99. I'm going to say off the bat, this isn't something that I recommend, but that's, I think, more based on personal taste. I don't think this game is unplayable. I don't think someone couldn't get something out of this. Yeah. And it's a decent length for for what the money is. I mean, 8 to 10 hours to kind of have a story told to you isn't the worst thing in the world. So I'm, I'm, I think I'm at a 2. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm going to give it a three, I think. Oh. I don't know that it deserves it, but that just feels right for me to give it to. And like, I can't I can't justify giving it a three. I can justify giving it a two. I think that it's gotten the extra point for me because of like, you can tell that the designers of this game really cared about what they were doing. Yeah. 
they just didn't do it well. Uh, but they they were really trying to put a new thing out there. And while I think it falls short in a lot of areas, I think for twenty dollars, it's. I, I mean, I think if it's on sale, you should get it then. But oh, a hundred percent. I think uh, I think for twenty dollars, a three is where I'm sitting. I'm I'm genuinely surprised by that. So am I. To um, be honest with you, <laughs> I did not think I was going to give it a three on cost. <laughs> well, it was all predetermined anyway. You had the illusion of choice, right? Uh, yeah. No, Cthulhu told me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's going to put us at 3.5 points from me, four points from Shay. What the fuck? So not- I gave this a better score than you did? Yeah. Damn. Just barely. I mean, still not a game that we wholeheartedly recommend. And uh, I don't know. It's definitely a, ba- a, a matter of personal taste. This is not a world I particularly like being in, not being a fan of HP Lovecraft type stuff. And... Watch a trailer, take everything that we've said, and, you know, apply it to however you're feeling about it, and just go from there. So, I, I think there's something there for certain players. I know that that Timmy enjoyed it. Um, Furco3, we were talking about it last night, he really enjoyed this game, and we're going to have him on the podcast pretty soon. We may revisit this and get his opinion on this, but... It it's not the worst game we played. It just isn't. Yeah, we We've still have we my name is Mayo stuff. in yeah. our catalog. So we always have my name is Mayo to <laughs> and, fall back on. And as Divine Hearts. So it's Yes. At least third worst. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's a much more coherent story than As Divine Hearts, which is not saying a whole lot. Hot garbage. Yeah. Yeah. Alright. We have anything else to get to today, Shay? Oh, uh, we do, Dan. Because I have a question for you. Do you want to play a game? Yeah, but I only want to play it by myself. Just like Neil Patrick Harris's Box One. Alright. <laughs> that didn't land, and I don't care. Box One is fucking dope. Super. During my last quiz, I asked you in Quiz Triathlete Kelsey about games that were based on anime and manga, and you did a lot better than I thought you would. So I've upped my game and limited mine and subsequently your list of options today, because since Call of Cthulhu draws from the works of perennial shithead H.P. Lovecraft, I thought we might do a Cite Your Sources based on games based on books. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. I'm going to be so bad at this. It's very short. It's only five questions. Uh, But other than that, I don't have much more of a preamble. So here we fucking go. (laughs) You got the important part out, which is that H.P. Lovecraft was a shithead. (laughs) (laughs) Number one is The Witcher. 2007's The Witcher from CD Projekt Red is now famously based on a series of novels by Polish author... Andrzej Sapkowski. Spawning a pair of sequels as well as a Netflix series and its own spin-off, the Witcher novels have become one of the flagship series for CD Projekt, a developer made rich by the localization of the Baldur's Gate games. What I want to know is, was Sapkowski involved in the writing of the very first Witcher game? Of the first one? Yes, that is correct. Hmm. Oh man, I'm going to bomb this <laughs> so hard. <laughs> Because, okay, okay, so as as we found was the problem with when you did this last time, I have to not think about how I make quizzes. <laughs> Listen. Like, I can't implore my own logic <laughs> to this quiz <laughs> since we are different people. I don't think that that speaks to a problem with my quiz. So no, much it's not a problem with the quiz. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a me problem for sure. Um <laughs> I read into this at some point, and now I can't remember. I think it was that he was involved with one of them and not the other, like out of the first two. So I, it's literally a 50-50, no matter what. So I'm going to say, yeah, sure, he was involved with the first one. Ah, uh, Dan, that is incorrect. Nope. Yep. Sipkowski yep. is fairly critical of all adaptations of his original work, despite never having gotten directly involved in their development. And oh, Roy- none of them. None of them. Royalty agreements continue to be an issue between CD Projekt and the author to the point that a resolution this year finally opened the door to development of The Witcher 4. The original Witcher game was written by a trio of non-Andrei Sapkowski writers, including Archur Ganzenich, 
who would go on to write the story for The Witcher 2, Assassins of Kings, as well as Call of Juarez, The Cartel, and working at a handful of other studios as a game designer. Interestingly, CD Projekt used different in-house departments to make and release the Windows and OX versions of the original Witcher game. So, so not only did I get it wrong, but I also talked out of my ass thinking that he <laughs> was involved with one of them. Fuck. He he may have been he may have been consulted for The Witcher 3, but as far as the first two, he did not I mean, he's not a writer on any of them. Does he is he known for any other series, do you know? Uh not as far as my research took me, but he could so be. the witcher is his one claim to fame as far as i know i mean as far as i can tell like once it got popular he started writing like side stories and uh like spin-offs yeah um but it doesn't seem like he has written many other things because like alan moore is sort of the same way alan moore hates every adaptation of anything he's ever written yeah but he refuses to be involved in it he refuses to be involved and also has a shit ton more stuff to his name. Yeah. Like, I think maybe he liked the Watchmen series more than the movie, but I, I can't even verify oh, that wouldn't? shit. So. Who wouldn't? It, it was good. I See, honestly, I thought both of them were good. and But that's from the perspective oh. of not having read the Watchmen comics. Oh, I'll loan it to you. Okay. You ready for number two, Dan? Yeah, let's go. This is my favorite question on the quiz. Okay. <laughs> Number two is Animorphs. Holy shit. <laughs> Based on the YA novellas written by K.A. Applegate, 2000's Animorphs video game sought to cash in on the sweeping phenomenon that was the Pokemon franchise. Developed by current day video game titan Ubisoft, then presented as two words instead of one, players took over the role of the novella's heroes as they attempted to prevent alien invasion. Okay. First question. Yeah. Where can I play this? <laughs> That's the only thing I'm concerned with, actually. The first and only question. I'm sorry, when was it released? 2000. Okay. That's fucking awesome. Well... Yeah, sh- sure. Because, I, again, not, I don't think that... It's not fucking Steam. That's... You certainly can't play it there. Nah, this is gonna I, be like some. I actually believe that this was a. Stuff. I believe that this was a Game Boy Color exclusive. Oh, I'm not playing that shit. All right, yeah. uh, <laughs> I'm gonna say yes. I'll give my reasons if I'm right. But go ahead. It's unfortunate. I'm, not gonna, I'm gonna. <laughs> fuck! Fuck! That's unfortunate, Dan. Probably recognizing the cash grab elements of the game, K.A. Applegate either opted not to be a part, or even better, was not permitted to be a part of the game's development (laughs) or story, and instead developed her remnant series of YA novels and went on to win a Newbery Medal in 2013. Yeah. I didn't know they did Remnant. Yeah. Yeah. Her and her her husband, I believe, wrote those books. Michael Grant. Cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, All right. I'm so glad I didn't put my foot in my mouth first. And then we'll just pretend that I didn't have an, <laughs> a reason. <laughs> Number three, Metro 2033. Based on Dmitry Glukovsky's novel about survivors of a nuclear war living in the remains of a subway system under Moscow, Metro was one of the more prominent properties sold off during THQ's bankruptcy, purchased by Deep Silver, the distributor of the Saints Row games. So what I want to know is, was Dmitry Gukovsky involved in the writing for Metro 2033? Conservatively, I've played maybe 45 minutes of this series. Uh-huh. Did not care for it. Sure. Not that that influences my <laughs> choices that has, here. That has no bearing on whether no or not he was involved. <laughs> um... Unless you and he are in some kind of, like, very prominent Twitter beef. We haven't talked in a while. Uh, <laughs> well, we've had two no's. I, this would be amazing if all of them are no's. Wouldn't it, Just? Fuck. Oh, I hate that you said something out loud in response to that. Because now it's a very possible option that all of them are no's. <laughs> All right, we're going to test the waters with a yes. 
I just hope because <laughs> I'm go if it if it's a no now I'm going no for the rest of the quiz. I'm calling all my shots. Oh, good. So yes, yes on this one. Good, good, good. That's correct, Dan. Yeah. Despite spawning forty three spinoffs in addition to the main series of Glukowski's trilogy, that Is was that a real a- number. Yes. Yeah. Holy fuck. Yeah. That wasn't enough fingers in the pie, as Metro 2033 was directly adapted by Glukowski. The novelization of the second game in the series, Metro Last Light, ultimately became the third book in the Metro book series, and the franchises have fed off of each other since, with a Russian film adaptation alleged to be releasing later this year. Interestingly, um, Metro 2033 was in development to be an American TV series, but Glukowski hated how Americanized they had made the story and so nixed it and now it's dead. We're living in the year 2022. So <laughs> I feel differently about this than if this was like a year and a half ago. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um okay. Let's just move on. How about that? Yep. Yep. Sounds good. <laughs> Number four. I have no mouth and I must scream. Yes. Oh Shay, I love you. <laughs> Adapted from Harlan Ellison's 1967 short story of the same name, 1995's point-and-click adventure game I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream expands on the backstories and themes of the five human characters and one AI character, Am, from the novella, as each's vice is explored and exploited by an AI god. I'm so stoked that you brought this one up. (laughs) This has, okay, for real, this game has almost made it into several quizzes. Because it's so fucking bizarre. Yeah. And I'm going with a yes. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. As video games were starting to heat up, Harlan Ellison was very interested in being at the forefront of that movement when he was approached by the Dreamers Guild, the game's developer. Ellison was almost solely responsible for the dialogue and story outline for the game, having written a 130-page treatment that was longer than the original short story. Yep. So... Uh. Yeah. Man. There you go. I'm I'm genuinely happy this finally made it into the show. Oh man. <laughs> well, I'll be Thank honest you, with Shay. you, Dan. Uh this game's premise was so interesting to me that I actually bought the book. <gasps> to Hell yeah. Read with my human eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's uh it's a hell of a I mean, it's so fucking weird. Yeah. I, I actually I'm kicking myself that I haven't done that yet. Yeah. Um, and I've I'd stolen it from under you. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I couldn't be more thrilled. This is great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is a gift. All right. Our final question today. Parasite Eve. Hmm. Square's 1998 action RPG Parasite Eve puts players in the role of New York City police officer Aya Brea over a six-day span in 1997 as she attempts to stop the Eve, a woman who plans to destroy the human race through spontaneous human combustion. I forgot this game existed. Yeah. So well done for that. Uh, (laughs) Had no idea it was based on a book, for sure. It's square, so like they don't have a great track record of keeping everybody involved. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say no. But it's it's a not confident no. Uh, so you get the point, but this is a Hell. trick question. Oh. As the video game Parasite Eve serves as a direct sequel to Hideki Sena's 1995 novel of the same name. Oh, interesting. Similar to the Metro series, the novel and video games share a canonical universe passing the narrative back and forth, with each also receiving a more in-depth manga series. Oh. So Hideki Sena wrote the video game, but it's not a direct adaptation. It is a sequel to his original novel. And then he wrote another novel and then another game came out and they just went back and forth. So I like that. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's three points for you today out of uh, a possible five. I'm happy with that. I really thought it was going to be worse. Um, <laughs> And honestly, if I'd only gotten one point and it was just for uh, I Have No Mouth, I would have been fucking stoked anyway. I'm so, so, so happy that this... Ugh. <laughs> I'm, I'm genuinely so thrilled. 
so I went through about uh, five or six iterations of this quiz, just switching in in and out games. Um, the only one that was consistently in there uh, was I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream uh, because it was such an interesting concept to me that, that I just had to include it. So three points added to my big board. I still don't know how this is being worked out. I still have, there, I have your, your stuff all planned out for a couple more point tiers. I'm not sure where mine's gonna gonna land. I'm very curious to see. But that's gonna more or less do it for us. This episode, as always, you can follow the show on both Twitter and Instagram at BNGPod, where we post sales that are going on that you should know about that we call cheap codes, as well as custom artwork for every episode. Yes, for example, uh, last week I tweeted about the spring sale on the PlayStation Store that you should definitely get to and will be over by the time this episode comes <laughs> So just go back in time at least two days right? Uh, yes. so that you have some time to mill it over. This is why it's important to follow us. We, we I mean, Tekken was a great buy at $30 for the, for the full version. And you, you could know. be too. Yeah. <laughs> you only have yourselves to blame. Right. Um, if you would like to share the show, you can do so using our hosting site, which is anchor.fm slash bngpod. I'm also told that if you leave reviews on podcatchers, it raises our exposure. So, like, if you want to do that, that's fine, too. And if you want to send us an email for any reason, whether it's game suggestions, debates about how wrong we are with classic video games, or really any old thing, you can do so at brokeandgamingpod at gmail.com hey uh hey shay what are we playing next time next time dan we'll be playing a game that i think you've actually brought up on the show before moonlighter will be yep our next episode so make sure you tune in for that i have and i'm very very curious to see what your opinion is on it i um i was not shy about saying how much i liked the game so spoilers for my points <laughs> next time it's not the kind of game we've covered before so i'm i'm really really curious how this is gonna end up playing out and also it's it's more uh learning about what your taste is in games i know it's pixely so i already know how that's gonna go but uh, for everything else <laughs> is it pixely and bad corners it remains to be seen tune in next time to find out <laughs> on broke and gaming goodbye absolutely everyone <laughs> goodbye <laughs> I mean, so so King is a professional wrestler, and I haven't mentioned wrestling in several episodes. Uh, so like his like whole that's move not set, true. it I feel probably like isn't. I feel like I've I feel like I've cut audio of you mentioning wrestling. Oh, oh that's probably true. We'll have to <laughs> we'll have to check the tape, check the the cutting room floor.